Hello and welcome to Drive and Double Feature Podcast. I'm Nathan. I'm Ryan. And this is the podcast where we talk about two movies a week every Tuesday and Thursday. But before we get into today's movie, we have a Patreon. If you head over to patreon.com slash drive and double feature podcast, just for $5 a month, you can help support the show and you get bonus episodes where we do fun things like BuzzFeed quizzes and we review modern movies over there. But getting into today's episode we are back again another bond zilla week we're back into bond zilla week so we have a james bond movie for you this tuesday and we're moving into you only live twice and i take a nice breath of fresh air whenever i get to watch an actual james bond movie after seeing casino royale i I was so shocked not to see woody allen in this one yeah, no Woody Allen, no John Houston. I, I was just really surprised when they replaced him, <laughs> replaced uh, Peter Sellers with. Uh, you know, going going back to Sean Connery, I'm like, you know, I wish they would have just kept David Nevin. Yeah, yeah, David <laughs> Nevin just had all the charm in the world that Sean Connery doesn't have. Um, but no, it, it really is nice to just watch another James Bond movie, and this is actually Sean Connery's in quotations last bond movie he would return after being gone for one movie but this was known before the movie came out this this was going to be the last bond movie with sean connery in it uh so it's kind of a big deal uh so there's a lot of similarities with the godzilla and bond movie this week so we both have 1967 movies uh both are well not all of the our other one is in japan but this one's in japan you know there's same actors so we kind of got an interesting double feature for you for you guys this week it it lined up really well and we didn't intend for it to do that yeah yeah but i guess getting into you only live twice um you only live twice is it's simple it's a really simple bond movie i don't know if it's because i watched it right after casino royale but this is just easy espionage. Like, you know, one, there's an evil dude. He's stealing spaceships and Bond has to go to Japan and find him. You know, it, it, it's as simple as it gets. I mean, it's pretty much the almost the same plot as from Russia with love. Almost. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it, it's in Russia from Russia with love. It was pitting the USSR versus the UK and making it seem like, you know, it was you know, the two, the, the two of them against each other, but really it was mm-hmm. Spectre kind of like orchestrating this whole thing. And it's the exact same thing, except instead of the UK, it's the USA. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no. So they kind of took what was right in that one and mixed it with, you know, with, you know, and took it into this movie. Um, and, you know, who wrote this one? The William Wonka, well, I guess I should say the name of the book, the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory writer, Roald Dahl, wrote this, and I guess he hated the book. So this this script is completely different from the book. So I guess he was like, I like From Russia with Love. Let's let's do it again. Yeah, he uh they I forget why, but they were just like they they I, I think uh roald doll was a oh it was because roald doll was a friend of ian fleming mm, that makes sense yeah so you know the both of them being authors so uh, by this point ian fleming had died so mm. they were they're like oh well, who would be good they're like oh well roald doll he you know he's a writer he'd be good for this but roald mm. doll had never written a screenplay before this movie mm-hmm. and um but you know what it, it 
it's a good screenplay. Um, I, he, he kind of, I don't think, I don't, I always got the impression he was not a fan of the James Bond character. Cause yeah, like there was interviews with him where he was just like, Oh, I, I guess we got to put a woman in there. And like, he has to <laughs> like lust after her. It, Cause he just, he wasn't, he wasn't a big fan of that stuff. And he, uh, apparently he went to the studio and was like, I guess you guys want me to put a woman as his love interest. And they're like, actually, can we have three? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Wow. He was really against having a love interest for this movie. I didn't, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, they always end up, they end up having the three uh, main females in this one. Okay. Yeah. That, which they, you know, there, there's a lot of women in this movie uh james bond once again sleazy dude he's he sleeps around he gets the woman kind of deal i won't say it's as bad as the last sean connery bond where he like forces himself onto that nurse but it's oh, still, yeah. it's still not a good look threatens to get her fired if he <laughs> yeah uh he's not pulling anything quite like that um i do think at one point he does kiss a woman um, without her asking, but of course she ends up liking it. So you know, because it's oh, yeah. Sean Connery Bond. Um, yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah, but uh, going back to, <laughs> I guess you're right, Ryan. But, <laughs> but going back to Roald Doll, I guess this is the only script he ever wrote, or the only like screen adaptation that he wrote that um, he actually liked. This is what he considered the only one that he liked. So which is interesting. Um, did, did he write any other screenplays? I don't know, because from what I read, it said that, but maybe he meant like just anything that got brought to screen that was like his creation. It's like, it's like, oh, well, this the one movie that I wrote the screenplay for. <laughs> yeah, I like this screen that, adaptation. That one's good. Well, I don't know. I kind of... Personally, I kind of take that comment with a grain of salt just because he uh, he really was not a big fan of like almost any of his screen adaptations that was that were on there. So I he was a pretty hard guy to please, I think. Yeah. So And it's hard to look at his writing credits because they put him as a writer for any like Fantastic Mr. Uh, Fox, Matilda, uh, just because uh, he wrote the book. So I am looking to the other screenplays that he wrote he wrote the screenplay to chitty chitty bang bang oh okay okay and this other movie called the night digger the night digger never heard of that one so he's not a chitty chitty bang bang fan huh i guess not all right chitty chitty bang bang we do not love you (laughs) yeah that's what he was singing every night until his death (laughs) <laughs> damn you gene wilder <laughs> yeah yeah i could imagine it just a lot of hate letters to gene wilder um so the director i didn't say oh go ahead no he's like he was just mad that willy wonka was just not like actually murdering these children like in yeah the book. It, he was mad that willy wonka was actually likable uh <laughs> <laughs> But uh, we did talk about the director yet, Lewis Gilbert, who um, uh-huh. uh, who is he went on to make other James Bond movies, The Spy Who Loved Me and Moonraker, and it makes sense with Moonraker because you know they both have space themes to it. 
Um, same, same with this one. This one has its a few space scenes. Right. And the space scene scenes were not in the original book either. That no. was added later. But yeah. uh, I'm actually glad you brought up the director because um, before this one, he, uh, he had made some other movies, but like his big breakthrough directorial movie before this was actually the movie Alfie. Yep, Alfie, yeah. And I don't know if you've seen that, but I really like the 60s version of Alfie. What you got a you got a problem with Jude Law? Uh, no, I, yeah, I I haven't seen it, so I can't comment. So I'm no, like, <laughs> you know, after watching this one, Alfie actually moved very close to the top of like my need to watch next list because I was like, that's a really important movie. It won Cannes, uh, one of their big awards, and uh, and I was like, oh, you know what? I need to watch that. Yeah, huge success and a big. I mean, that's the movie that got Michael Caine to be a star. So. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, that, but that's they saw that movie and he had just been coming off that like and Alfie was like still in theaters mm-hmm. when he had when they actually started uh, shooting this movie. Yeah, it's like we got to get we got to lock this guy down. We got it. We got to make sure that he's a success. And I mean, like he would go on to make plenty of movies after that. It looks like. Including, oh, he made. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he made he made a lot of great movies I and mean, even besides James Bond ones. Yeah. Yeah. So no, that's awesome. Uh, and I mean, I think here, I think this, this guy, he kind of captures the line between the sillier bonds. Well, you know what, now that I'm saying this, this movie's pretty dang silly. It's like a very silly bond. I, I had a lot of fun with this one. I actually have heard that this is like um, the black sheep of the Sean Connery ones. There's a lot of people that don't like it and I get it. But I think this one's got a good amount of laughs to it. And it's also shorter compared to a lot of Bonds. I was really surprised about that. Like only around an hour 50 long. I was, I mean, when you were starting to say that this is, <laughs> that this wasn't a, a very comical one, I was like, really? Like, no, I, I, I was, was saying, I was saying that and I was like, no, I'm wrong. That This movie made me laugh so much. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, behind the scenes of this movie, Sean Connery was it it he really wasn't feeling like the Bond character he was really getting extreme burnout from mm-hmm. being Bond um but uh I don't know I just I really like this one a lot I mean mm-hmm. I remember because I remember watching this one when I was a kid and even back then I think for a while this one was like my favorite at one point nice yeah and because I liked it that much because well see what you said it was simple Mm because when i was trying to watch these movies when i was like a kid or you know like 10 11 12 like some of the more intricate plot lines and like real world consequences would go over my head a lot of times yeah this one i can understand that it's an evil guy stealing spaceships and they (laughs) they gotta take them down exactly no that's that's actually what i liked about it too i liked its simplicity and i didn't have to think about all these things going on in the background and you know you just know what you need there's bad guys and you know what it's it's silly at the same time too um and there's just something about this opening sequence that i love of it's an opening sequence that mostly doesn't feature bond it's more of a setup for the actual like um you know the evil plot of the movie there are people in space. It's the U.S. in the very beginning, correct? That are in space. Yeah, it's yes. it's, it's the Americans, and then a giant space bullet. That's what it looks like to me. <laughs> shows up, 
its jaws open up and it eats the spaceship almost it is the weirdest mechanical thing i have seen can you imagine i i'm just imagine like real world like imagine if that happened today like because you know we there are a lot of shuttle launches Mm -hmm. now can you imagine if it just went off and then you just see like something in the sky just snatch it out of the air and then you just it's gone forever you people are freaking out yeah i i I couldn't even imagine like if i knew that there was some unknown country eating a space well even if you didn't even know if it was a country you'd be like there's an alien and they just captured humans that would be yeah that's what i was like they wouldn't even assume it was a different country because well because that's in the movie that's the that's how they get the they play both sides is Mm -hmm. the u.s thing it's uh, russia that's doing this yeah and that they start threatening uh, that they're, you know, they're going to launch nuclear weapons against them, that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. I, I was just thinking like in real life, if that happened, yeah, you would think like, Oh my God, aliens. <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly what you would think. Um, but no, that, that I, I like that part of this movie thinking about its context because they instantly blame Russia and the Russians instantly blame America because it's, we're deep in cold war times right then and the space race was going on i don't know i thought that was like oh yeah the you know the space race they were fighting to be first on the moon at this time so this is just a huge topic for the time and i I think it's cool how it reflects here um yeah yeah i it's really reflective of the time as you said um mm -hmm. i really like a lot of the backgrounds for this movie i Mm -hmm. love the setting um there's just this movie is extremely Japanese and I guess yes. you couldn't tell by a lot of my favorites and movies that I pick. Yeah. I like a lot of Japanese cinema. So this, it, it, this, this type of stuff really appeals to me. Yeah. I, I actually really loved that this one um, kind of like Dr. No is set in one place. So you really get to settle into that area, right? Like you get to settle in the Japan, you see the locations and, um, you see a few landmarks in the background too. So you really get into it. And I, and I like that. And of course I like globe trotting, but there is something nice about this is the Japanese James Bond and he might become the Japanese James Bond later. Who knows? Uh, oh, well, yeah. We got to talk about that too. Don't we? Yeah, yes, we do. <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Um, but no, I, I think the opening when James Bond shows up is really funny too. <laughs> that um, he, you know, it's all a setup. They fake his death, and I think that is very apparent from the beginning. I there's no way. That, I mean, I'm sure there was a few people out there, but there's no way you could make me think that James Bond is going to tie in the beginning of the James Bond movie, <laughs> especially Sean Connery Bond. Well, yeah, I, they're all well. So I, I've watched the documentary that was associated with this, and okay. and uh, that was one of the things. Like, oh, we wanted to do something different and have James Bond die. And I'm like, well, you did that already, and from Russia with Love. <laughs> That's right. So. They're just <laughs> so, repeating from Russia with Love. <laughs> so I'm like, it's not, and I'm like, is anyone really going to think that? Oh no, James Bond's dead in the first two minutes of the movie. I I can't yeah. believe it. Yeah, exactly. No, no one's gonna think that. I mean, they could have been banking that people were saying that it was Sean Connery's last James Bond, but they 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 would never. But I do love that the police show up and they think he died. It almost looks like 
he died by fold up bed. Like they take the the what do you yeah. call those kind of beds? The Murphy bed, and they take it down, and it looks like he died just from it like closing on him. And they're like, oh, he died just the way he lived, or just the way he worked, or something like that. Like oh, he died doing what he loved, sleeping with a woman. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, did you uh, did you like the exchange that he had with this woman? Because it was uh. It, it was another Asian woman, but she was Chinese instead of a, yes. a Japanese woman. And mm-hmm. uh, they interviewed the That's woman. Right. They interviewed that woman and uh, they're like, oh, you know, they told me to get in bed with Sean Connery. And of course, I wouldn't mind. Who, who wouldn't? And mm-hmm. um, they uh, it's this weird exchange where he's like, he's like, oh, do you like Asian women? He's like, do you like them better than other women? He's like, no, not better. They're just different. Yeah, and no, I think he says Chinese women taste different. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like, it's like if I wanted, uh, I forget what he said, something, he's like, but then one day I want Peking duck. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then she gets out of bed and she's like, oh, well, I hope to give you a very good duck. Yeah. Good <laughs> Lord. Horrible. <laughs> this movie has some really good lines in it, just like that one i know it's almost as good as uh everlasting gobstopper and snozberries you know what yeah it's right up there if we if we did roll dolls it's as good as chitty chitty bang bang i i would say man yeah I, that was i really like that line chitty chitty bang bang yeah, me me too. Um, but uh, but imagine, yeah, the the guy who wrote all these children book classics is writing some of like the, sexual innuendo. Yeah, some nasty stuff. Um, I I guess to talk over it briefly, we do have an opening title sequence with a song done by Nancy Sinatra, and it's the name of the movie "Only Live Twice." And I I guess I hadn't listened to the song in a long time. I forgot how good this song is i i love this song it's it's one of the better ones i i, I do like the song mm-hmm. i will say the animatics are not my favorite yes yeah, those are a little boring it's just a women's well usually a lot of women's eyes and faces over like volcanoes and kind of like settings around right. japan well yeah and then the credits are like in the form of you know one of the like traditional umbrellas like asian mm-hmm. umbrellas that they use um or a parasol, whatever you want to call it. But um, no, the song is great, though. I mean, it's it's up there in, in terms of like the other movies that we've talked about. Yeah, no, totally. But is it, but is it as good as Three Blind Mice? <laughs> Nothing beats Three Blind Mice. I think that's just a great song in general. It's stood the test of time, hasn't it? Uh, yeah. But, uh, uh, but and also, too, Nancy Sinatra is the first non- british singer oh nice that's cool and they got her after her dad said no (laughs) after frank sinatra said no so she was an afterthought like i guess we'll get nancy Uh, or either that or frank sinatra paid off the mob or whatever like whatever he did to get that role from here to eternity (laughs) oh is that what he did he do that oh you never heard that rumor i never know like that's like that like that's famously how like he was like desperately wanted that role and from here to eternity. And mm-hmm. there's always these rumors that Frank Sinatra had all these connections to the mob and that mm-hmm. supposedly that's how he got the role. Like the mob did the, uh, 
like put the squeeze on the producer. Like that's like the scene in The Godfather. That's what the, that scene is parroting with the horse. No head. way. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was kind of referencing like a real life thing that happened. Well, allegedly, you know, alleged. Yeah. That's yeah, actually but... really interesting. I like that a lot. And Frank Sinatra is really great in that role, to be honest. So <laughs> they the mob did the right thing there. I think the mob should cast more movies. I think so too. Like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? Uh, yeah. Well, they I mean, just, just produced it. I know. Just think we could have had uh, James Gandolfini in almost every movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, he wasn't. He even got he got some weird parts. I don't know. Like that movie with the the romantic comedy movie, the say. Oh, enough said. Enough said. I almost said say anything. Different movie. Uh, Well, he could have been in that one too. Like, can you imagine a young James James Gandolfini holding a stereo? I I I would I would watch it. I like that idea. (laughs) But now, getting back to the movie, um, I I I think. You know, it goes through the whole thing. Sean Connery's not dead. Oh, my God. They toss his body overboard. All that mess. But, oh, go ahead. Oh, so I was going to say, so I did kind of make the joke that, like, how could they expect that? But apparently they did say that in the press tour that James Bond dies in this movie. Because, and it kind of coincides with Sean Connery making his announcement, Mm -hmm. uh, which we're going to get to later. But uh, he they were like oh yeah james bond is gonna die so i guess maybe they thought they're going to they were going to kill him off and maybe introduce a new bond maybe like mid-movie that i guess that could be the case but i i mean still though the the posters for this movie it's sean connery's name i don't know if you looked at any of the posters but sean connery's names are just like it's plastered it literally says sean connery is james bond and it's yeah it there's no denying it, right? Like, uh, I don't know. And like, it, it, this predates before the idea that James Bond was going to be played by multiple different people, right? Like, it would have been like, oh, he died, and then that's the end of James Bond movies. Yeah, they, I mean, they obviously they wanted him to keep going. They really, yeah. they they really wanted him to keep going. Well, I I guess since we're talking about, it, we might as well mention it. But yeah, uh, but yeah, like. Like we said, like midway through the filming of this movie, Sean Connery made kind of like an earth shattering announcement that I'm not coming back to do another Bond. Yeah. And apparently they tried to pay him like a ton of money, but they just they never could reach an agreement. So because they had to film this movie very fast because he had like a certain timeline mm-hmm. on his contract. So this was the last movie that he fulfilled his contract. Yeah. Yeah. And when he, he was done, he was done. I guess it was just a lot for him i'm not i'm not too sure his reasons but i mean whatever they were i'm sure it was taxing a lot of workout a lot of stunts i mean he wasn't doing all the stunts but still there was a lot to this role so they get into that a lot about why sean connery had this burnout is because Mm -hmm. that this became like we've talked about bond fever and how people were obsessed with james bond before all this and at the same time, like people that this started to affect Sean Connery as well, because mm-hmm. people would go all the time and start hounding him and asking James Bond questions. Like even during the filming of this movie, he arrived in Japan off of the plane and he just got swarmed like the Beatles where they're just like mm-hmm. ripping at his clothes and things like that. And just uh, 
people are just like hounding him all the time for interviews. Like the guy couldn't go anywhere without people <laughs> being like, Oh my God, it's James Bond. And yeah. he was just like, so done with the character, I think. And he was just getting extreme burnout and probably wanted to do other things. And yeah. And it seemed like, I don't know, people thought he was James Bond outside of the role yeah. kind of deal. Cause I, I did read about an interview where like, he said like somebody saw him dressed like kind of like comfortably and, yeah. and they were like, oh, James Bond wouldn't dress that way. And he's like, well, I like being comfortable. I'm Sean Connery. You know, like it, it was, you know, that, I'm sure that gets annoying. Well, yeah, that, that's the part I was going to reference. So they, uh, mm-hmm. Sean Connery wears a toupee. We've never have said that, but he, yeah. but he, and he's not, he, he's, he fully admits it too, but he, mm-hmm. he wears a toupee to have his hair look a lot thicker because his hair is very thin. He's, got not much hair on the top of his head but Mm -hmm. uh he like appeared on i i don't know if he was just like out walking and he got hit up by a reporter that's what it sounded like but yeah it was a japanese reporter went up to him and apparently he had like a baggy shirt on with loose fitting pants and sandals no toupee Mm -hmm. and they're just like oh my god like is this how james bond he said no but this is how sean connery dress <laughs> yeah exactly and at least he was honest so i, I like that um so I, but i could see it i mean at this point he's been doing it for five years mm-hmm. so i could see you just like all right i just i'm getting i don't want to be typecast as this sort of thing so let me just move on yeah i want to seek other acting roles you know i don't want to play the same character so i get that um but you know he still puts in a really great job in this movie i don't think you can because it seemed like there's problems on set he didn't really like the producers of this movie and stuff like that but sean connery's still to me very charming in this role and he's still really funny and he's still i think he's still putting in a good performance I think he's good in this one. I don't, it's not my favorite of his performances. I don't, no. I don't think, I think he is trying it. I do think he is putting an effort, but I don't feel like he has, I don't feel like his heart and soul is into it as much as the other ones were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. To me, I still, I still got it. Like you said though, I don't think it's his best. Of course. Uh, I think that might just be the movie's writing um, in a way. I mean, to me, the best Sean Connery role and the best, James Bond, at least so far, is Goldfinger. Bar none so, is just the best. So Goldfinger still tops it for you. Yes, yeah, yeah, it does. Okay, I I believe it still does for me too. But mm-hmm. but this one's up there, and uh, in terms yeah. of the sequels, so I don't. I was I, surprised I, by that. <laughs> so I don't. I, I well, I guess we'll get into it later. But I, I right now, I think it's currently my second favorite <laughs> wow that really moved up i don't think i don't think it's second but it's it's better than some of the other entries i i, I i'd have to think about it i'd have to make a nice ranking list which i do want to do there is one more technically eon sean connery movie and i do want to rank all of sean connery's movies after that one so i think okay so we should do that then just do it based off of, we should do our rankings for each bond that's after. what i that's what i was thinking and then maybe okay. if whenever we finish this way down the line then we can do a giant list or something but that's way later i I can't wait to rank george lazenby's movies (laughs) 
yeah we we don't get to do it more timothy dalton's we just one's well, better that, than the other yeah at least that's something that's true george lazenby is just like ow <laughs> well i think this one's his best and worst performance but anyway you can say that <laughs> uh, yeah but anyway I, I guess moving on i think this movie starts out strong with its silliness this is one of the few bonds that doesn't take place in um in the uk or it doesn't have anything in the uk i should say um because uh the headquarters james bond's headquarters is on a ship and i love that everybody has their little outfits uh, money oh, I know. <laughs> it's i don't know it's just kind of fun it's like something a little different well yeah because well we didn't say but yeah they when it's revealed that he faked they faked his death to kill him off mm-hmm. they take him out of a body bag which they pulled out of the bottom of the ocean and he just has his outfit on just ready to go his naval commander outfit yeah but he's, i think as soon as they take off his like body bag or whatever he's like request to come on ship it's yeah like, request to come aboard yeah so just like he always has a quip no matter when it is but yeah no james bond is put right on the mission to go to japan and kind of figure out where this base is that is stealing the spaceships with the ma- with the giant space bullet and um yeah and i really love the characters in this one once you actually get to japan you meet some really cool characters um you get to meet aki who mm-hmm. is the Japanese woman there and like kind of the side op- like operative to all of this um she's well, a lot- it, oh, oh, go ahead well I, I what I like about her character is that you know you don't really know which side she's on in the beginning yeah you know I, I like that too I, I think it's like kind of playful in a way like you just you don't know and like he takes her sorry she takes him to like the secret base you still don't know what's going on there's a lot of sliding in this movie it's a weird mm-hmm. motif, but I really like that uh, the floor drops out from Sean Connery and he slides down. And he just lands right in the chair and you still don't know what's going on. Well, and, uh, so the way that James Bond has, because uh, M and Money Penny tell him, you know, oh, you're going to have to go meet some operatives out in Japan. And don't forget the code word. And Money Penny tells him the code word, and it's "I love you." Yes, and she's, yeah. And she's looking right at him. She's like, "Oh, can you repeat that to me?" He's like, "I got it." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, Money Penny, you're not getting that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, they mentioned, but he has. So now, anytime he meets somebody that he thinks may be on the side, he just has to say, "I love oh. you." And he's, he uh, he always says it so awkwardly because it, you know, yeah. James Bond, he he doesn't. He doesn't fall in love with women. He just so that I think even for him, even though he doesn't, it, there's no romantic context, right? Like just yeah. for him to say, I love you is like pains him almost. Uh-huh. And he has to say it to a man in this movie. He has to say it to Tanaka Tiger. Great name, by the way, um, mm-hmm. who is the Secret Service like of Japan's like leader. And uh, he's like, I love you. Or what? <laughs> I think he says, what he's, is your fondness oh. of me? He's I like, what are you, you. how do you how do you feel about me? And he's just like, I love you. <laughs> yeah. As speaking, I, I think this is the first we talked about how dubbing in these movies is usually really good. This is the first time where I feel like the dubbing is subpar. It, uh, it's it's not, very noticeable. Yeah. It's very no because so I noticed it because um, the guy that voices Tiger, he uh, he he speaks like perfectly clear english like not even a hint of an accent mm-hmm. and but then uh when they he takes james bond to a bathhouse like mm-hmm. where all these women are bathing him and stuff and 
there's one because they they do he is dubbed throughout this whole movie but there is like one part where he actually speaks like in his uh in japanese and it's like totally different doesn't sound yeah. anything alike his it, japanese voice versus his dub voice it's so bad and so noticeable like i don't know why they even made that choice to do that like because every other movie with the you know they dubbed the people and they weren't changing their language but this time it just felt maybe a little lazy i don't know but i think i what i remember reading is that this is i think the last movie to use extensive dubbing like that Mm -hmm. where they just hire foreign actors and just and then just give them a totally different voice probably for the better it may you know that dubbing does not seem like an easy process and and most of the time it's pretty noticeable it Um, is but th- this scene with the Secret Service agent, it was so... We talked about Austin Powers multiple times, but I think this movie is like a direct inspiration to that first Austin Powers movie. It like is so like, wow. Well, not even the first one, the other ones that, too. Well, but, yeah, because the, the whole mo- like the whole second half of the movie is in a volcano and then that, that's <laughs> yeah. what the second Austin Powers is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know what? You're right. Um, and then... The, the scene where um where of course the Japanese guy's like oh we're time to take a bath together and we got women here and he says the line men come first women come second which yeah, is they, in Austin Powers it is and then there's the scene where uh, Blofeld has these uh, piranhas like in a pool <laughs> yeah and, like, they, they, they eat meat and like anytime anyone falls in there they just die instantly yeah so i mean like this was definitely the one when they were making those movies that like i feel like because it it is kind of james bond turned up like all of the cliches the silliness turned up which i don't think is a bad thing i think that's part of the charm of this one um but yeah i i really i think it's around here where they have a conversation about where the ship comes from but i just love how sean connery's trying to show off that he loves japanese culture and he's like, I love sake, like the way he says sake. Uh, uh, well, yeah. So they, uh, she, before Money Penny gets there, um, mm-hmm. but she's like, oh, like how's your? You better brush up on your Japanese. And he's like, and he's like, oh, you forget? I took a study. I took a class in uh, Cambridge, mm-hmm. and but then he goes there, and you know, you're supposed to say uh, sake. Saki, Saki, that's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> obviously he he love he loves ja- Japan, and he, he took those middle school Japanese classes at Cambridge Middle School really came in handy for oh, his future. He didn't future. say he passed those classes. <laughs> that is true, and mm-hmm. I don't think he did. Uh, <laughs> uh, there was another line too, where they actually referenced the uh, relationship between James Bond and Money Penny at the bathhouse because. Uh, Tanaka Tiger actually mentions it's like we know you've loved many women including uh, Miss Moneypenny and he just like he kind of just like gives him like a look and he's like I have my sources too Mr. Bond <laughs> yeah and I so, thought that was funny well so it just you know they because they never have said directly that they were involved before so mm-hmm. I would I know I was like that's like the I think that's the first time they actually mentioned that they that's true. were like with each other yeah it's at, always been like playful before mm-hmm. yeah um dang so they they just let the cat out of the bag or you know whoever was watching uh how were they were they do how openly were they doing their relations i don't know but i i i 
I mean, damn, just you just stand in the same same room as them. It's like... <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know you have an experience with that woman. Yeah, I just talked to her on the ship. <laughs> well, well, could you like if you were just in the same room as them and they were talking like that, you're just like, should I leave or? <laughs> <laughs> true yeah like huh they're talking about me Uh, but i i was gonna say one thing that i think really stands out about this movie and i think it's actually like really good is the cinematography because Mm. it's a lot of aerial stuff and it's made by i had to look it up uh freddie young who did the cinematography for lawrence of arabia which i think is one of the best looking movies ever made and here i think all the stuff on helicopters is really cool. The first moment of that was whenever he's getting chased at the docks by that huge group of Japanese people. And it's aerial, like zoomed out shots of him running and flipping off of buildings. It was like the first time anything like that's been done in one of these movies. Mm-hmm. That was a really cool action set piece. Oh yeah. The, the aerial shots in this movie are insane. Like there's yeah. a helicopter fight scene at, yeah. and it just, insane like how they shot that movie and quite Mm -hmm. literally like crazy things happened on that set when they were doing that oh yeah didn't someone lose a leg that's like what happened yeah yeah the guy named johnny jordan he Mm -hmm. was an an aerial photographer and they had him for the movie and his leg got caught in the propeller for an helicopter and they Mm -hmm. They were able to reattach his leg, but it didn't take, so they had to chop his leg off again. That sucks. That's really sad. But he was not at not too long after he was back shooting aerial shots up until the day he died. So no, oh, so it didn't let him stop 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 yeah. his career. So that's good. But no, I mean though the that helicopter, it's a little bit ahead, but we can hop into that. So there, uh, James Bond gets like a little helicopter it's almost like a toy helicopter called um oh god gyrocopter gyrocopter but he has like a name for it um little Um, nanny nanny nelly nelly Nelly, little nelly um and one of the weirdest lines in the movies uh of course q shows up to give give him his uh his his gyrocopter and sean connery says is my little girl hot and ready and that line out of context sounds so <laughs> gross, <laughs> but he's talking about his his gyrocopter, little Nelly. And another cool editing trick is when they're building it, and all the pieces slowly pop onto it as they build it. Yeah, the, they that that ship was actually owned by the actual pilot of it, and mm. he was the one doing all the flying on the gyrocopter. But he actually invented it and he flew it and everything. But I think he said altogether he flew. Mm-hmm like like 40 40 hours or something like that in the air like they're getting shots for and he's like he's like oh yeah they they shot hours and hours of footage and about five minutes of it was on screen or 10 minutes or whatever yeah and i mean it's cool what you do get to see because what they it's one of the biggest things i've seen this james bond costs way more than any of the other ones and you can tell with just like the helicopters and there's missiles being shot and they're fighting back and forth and it lasts like five to ten minutes and it's a really cool looking scene well yeah that's the main gadget of the movie there is there's one other gadget later but (laughs) yeah there but that's pretty much the the big one in this movie in fact that's the only vehicle that james bond operates because this is the one of the only james bond where james bond doesn't drive a car 
Yeah, I, I saw that. Yeah, somebody else drives a car. Uh, Aki drives. He, uh, he rides in a car. Yeah, he yeah. rides in it. But yeah, he doesn't drive a car, but he does fly. So I think that's a fine trade-off. Yeah. Uh, you know, she, he said, uh, you know, drive my car to Aki in Japan. Oh, what? Is this to drive my, <laughs> to drive my car rip off of this movie? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's what I'm getting out of this. Um, but uh, no. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just, since you brought up Aki, I was going to say, what did you think of her as a character? I liked her. You know, she was fun. I, I think I had more fun at the end of the movie with a, I hate her name, Kissy. But I, <laughs> But but Aki is uh you know it, it, getting in the kissy. Well, no, let's not get in the kissy yet. But no, Aki, I like Aki. How how did you feel about her? Yeah, I liked her because she uh, she was actually really confident. And at first, she was trying to turn down the. Well, both of them tried to turn down his advances, but yeah. you know James Bond, he never takes no for an answer. So <laughs> no. Uh, well, and Andy sleeps with a, another woman uh, in this movie too. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. The but she's a bad girl, so she uh, she deserves whatever what was coming to her. Yeah, I mean, he even says what I do for my country. <laughs> like yeah. it's the worst thing in the world to happen to him. You know, I I did have like a serious quandary. I'm like, does James Bond like actually enjoy? like sex or is he just or is this literally just a tool for him i think that's a really good question to have that like he probably really doesn't care you know like at at that like if he's making statements like that just like all right it is what it is it's just a tool to use so i can get my way um well i mean there's certain times though like when he sleeps with that woman at the in thunderball when it's like well he didn't Ha- he didn't have, have to, to sleep to have to because it's not like he got any special entry uh, anywhere well then you so. could you could say something really gross about his personality and be like oh yeah he likes it when he's an awful person i guess but, but he, yeah he but, likes it when he's totally in control yeah, but i'm sure the writers were not thinking about this stuff well i just was because wondering because i remember this is getting way, way ahead, but there's other James Bond movies that I remember mm-hmm. where there was big spoiler, but there's like a hint of like homosexuality at one mm-hmm. point where they like, like one, like one evil boss, like kind of flirts with them and they're like, Oh, have you ever done this before? And he's like, what makes you think I haven't? <laughs> but no, I, that's just something I was like kind of wondering. I'm like, is he just doing this just to like, ensnare these women to like you know control them in some sort of way like is this maybe really a tool or is he just like a total sex crazed fiend yeah yeah because i mean the amount of sleeping around he does is it, it's quite a lot um and i mean even with the bad the bad girl there she doesn't he doesn't he kind of gets screwed over in that one because she flies him in a plane and she locks <laughs> him in with a wooden plank and jumps out that, of the that plane. Was, that was dumb. That yeah, part that was, was dumb. That was straight dumb. She jives out and like he it's like a it's just a wooden piece of wood. Board. Yeah. Holding I, his hands and he just breaks it. <laughs> like imagine if you're sitting in a chair and then somebody holds a like you have like your arms laying on your lap and then somebody puts a plank of wood and they're just holding it down on you. That's about what it's like. 
<laughs> yeah. And he easily gets out of it. But of course, the plane explodes. So she's like, oh, OK, James Bond is gone. Or this guy, she she doesn't realize it's James Bond till even later in the movie because everybody thinks James Bond is dead. So, well, yeah, he poses as a salesman or like a sales guy, I think, or he works for like a different company, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. But, that's kind of his in. But uh, all right. So we mentioned the other two women. So now we got him. <laughs> oh, so Aki. Mm-hmm. So well, we haven't gotten to this part, but yeah, like he, uh, there, there's, so they, they finally figure out where uh, the secret layer is mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, well, in order to prepare, you have to train as a ninja and then you have to become Japanese. Like quite literally, they want <laughs> yeah. him to look like a Japanese man. And yeah. James, so James Bond goes full yellow face in this movie. Yeah, this is the most dated aspect of this movie is that James Bond goes yellow face and it, it's painful. It, uh, not nope. as bad as Breakfast at Tiffany's. Like God, no. Rooney. But, no. but it, it's very unfortunate that it's in this movie because yeah. that's a that's a that's a that's a belt that's a black mark so far but yeah because there, there's that one scene where they're like painting him and it's the women on top of him and they pull down his pants and he's like oh does it have to be my whole body and it's like oh god <laughs> so they gave yeah. him the full body thing um yeah and i mean he's got the it, it, it's rough. It's rough. But this part of the movie does have its funny moments. I do love that there's ninjas and James Bond that rocks. Mm-hmm. They do have swords and everything. I, I guess a fun fact about this movie is that um, all the producers, when they were touring Japan, um, the, their flight back uh, was supposed to crash. Well, it was going, it would end up crashing. Of course, they didn't know that. Everybody would die on board. But they canceled to go to a ninja demonstration so they could use that for the movie. So they they had like a Mark Wahlberg, Seth MacFarlane moment where they were almost dead from yeah. a plane crash. Yeah, they that was one thing I remember. They did. They talked about that in the documentary that they, like pretty much like the most influential people to behind the scenes on James Bond would have just died right there. With yeah. And who knows where we would be at with these movies if they would have actually died there. I know. Well, who knows? Oh, I was going to say, I guess going back to him becoming Japanese, the moment I do love is they say that he has to get, he has to get married. Um, And it's Sean Connery doing the most wild reaction. So he's, so Aki, yeah, you got to mention Aki does get murdered. Oh yes. Because Aki was going to be originally his spouse. Mm-hmm. But the Spectre agent like drops poison into her mouth from from the ceiling. Yeah, well, and... drops it. He was going to drop it in Sean Connery's mouth, but then Sean Connery just kind of moves in his sleep. <laughs> yeah, and then the poison dips into her mouth. Yeah. So yeah, but anyway, go ahead. I'll let you explain the next scene. Oh yeah, no. So yeah, he got he has to get married to a woman, and the, there's women that walk up that could be his bride, and they're all just older women right but every time he sees these older women he gives this look of disgust like oh like oh don't well, tell me that's my wife <laughs> well because beforehand they mentioned they're like oh well, we will set you up with the wife and mm-hmm. he said yeah but they're all pretty it's something like they're all pig-faced or something like that and yeah. i'm just like oh my god and just yeah. like but yeah, yeah i mean there's nothing wrong with these women but it's just like they're not like in their early 20s or whatever like yeah 
like James Bond used to go on after. So no, and I hate I hate like thinking of movies like this where literally they're hiring and just like, oh yeah, we need an ugly woman. We need an ugly person to, for this part. So and that's what they're getting treated like in the movie. Um, but then a beautiful young woman shows up, and that's who he ends up marrying. And yeah, he he's nice like, smile. Yeah, he's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, like a sigh of relief. <laughs> um, but I do like that he has a traditional Japanese wedding because he's really getting into it. But it, James Bond is a little pushy whenever they are married and living together because she's like, this is business. You know, we're not sleeping in the same bed with each other. And he's like, why not? You know, he's like, why shouldn't we be doing the whole thing? This is our honeymoon, baby kind of deal. Yeah, like 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 he just like is supposed to get access to her body just because they're Mm-hmm. fake married or what so it, it you know it's you know at the time i'm sure it's funny but now it just it kind of plays real poor but yeah uh but that is that's the woman he meets her name is kissy yep kissy yep uh played by uh my hama yep my hama and who we will mention later this week but <laughs> yep. uh anyway there's a there's a story behind this. So when they, when they were casting for these two roles, they really wanted Japanese women for this movie. And they screen tested hundreds of different women and almost none of them could speak English. Like almost all of them didn't speak English. And so they, but they had to have an English, somewhat of an English dialect. So that way it would match the dubbing. So Mm -hmm. they had to have some understanding. So they hired two Japanese women to live in the UK for several months and like, in, like ingrain themselves into the society. So that way they learn English and the girl that plays Aki apparently picked it up really well. And okay. they're, they're like, okay. Um, you know, she did a really great job, but the girl that played kissy my Hama, she was having a real hard time and Lewis Gilbert had said like, you know, she was working really hard, but you know, it just, we were running behind schedule. So I didn't, I didn't think we should, you know, I didn't think it was going to work out. So he talked to uh, the guy that played uh, Tanaka tiger. And he's like, can you just let her down gently that we're probably going to have to recast this role. Mm -hmm. And because originally uh, the girl the two girls were playing the opposite roles like so my hum was playing oh really and, and the other girl was playing kissy okay and so they he said okay i'll go tell her and then he said the next day he's like well how did it go oh she told me that at tonight she's going to jump off the balcony of her hotel <laughs> and kill herself oh my god <laughs> so then he's like Mm, I think we can make this role work. Yeah, I would. I'd probably do the same. I'd be like, "All right, she's the. That's her. That's her role." <laughs> so, Lord. so they switched them because the role for Kissy didn't require too much dialogue as as the one that uh, Aki yeah. did. And it, I could see that, and that makes sense. It's probably a smart switching of roles. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, she's fine as Kissy. Kissy is just a really interesting character because. I do think she's more the movie makers make her more of a use as eye candy because towards the end she uses it. She's in a lot of bikini or she is in a bikini for most of the end of the movie. And it's a little unnecessary. I liked Aki better because Aki had a little more of a personality and like, mm-hmm. I, there's like a really funny moment earlier with her and Bond where 
Bond's getting a massage at the bathhouse and then she kind of sneaks mm-hmm. in and starts massaging him and they, he, he, he looks real happy to see her. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's, so it's, it's kind of like this nice moment and <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but she actually seemed like she actually wanted to be with Bond and, and Kissy was just like worn down by his advances. Yeah. Until he finally, she finally just had to, um, but the end of this movie is really neat. Um, so they finally find Blowfield's base. So it is Blowfield, a returning villain from other movies. Blow, but Blow, Blowfeld. Blowfeld, sorry. Blowfeld. Garfield. Garfield. Yeah, Blowfeld is the returning villain from other movies, and um, but a different actor playing him. And it's actually a, fa- a returning actor to the show, mm-hmm. Don- Donald Pleasance, playing a villain. Who would have thought? Um, well, I such an iconic it is presence it just he looks so so good in this movie like it's insane there's a reason this is dr evil this is the stereotypical james bond villain because he just does it so well he's got the scar on the face he's wearing the gray he's got the cat he's just perfect and donald pleasance is just a really good actor so like he just brings that presence so well to this movie so do you know that Originally, Donald Pleasance wasn't the first Blofeld actor for this movie. Yeah, I do know that. I know they did screen tests with another actor, but I'm not too no, sure who. No, they they shot they shot. Uh, I think they said they like a couple like ten days worth of shooting Holy with this crap. one with this one actor, and I I forget the name of it, but Lewis Gilbert. They showed pictures of him. It's like he looked like a sweet old man with like he looked like <laughs> Santa Claus that's funny <laughs> so like you see you see this character the actor he i mean he looks like santa claus he's got like a big bushy white beard with like gray mm-hmm. gray hair and he's got like a little you know he's bigger so doesn't look like blowfeld mm-hmm. at all so just just imagine if that was what we got for this movie instead of <laughs> that yeah. with donald pleasance yeah right it, it would probably come out a lot goofier because my god donald pleasance you know, he, he's goofy, but he still plays evil really well, where that would be like, I'm playing goofy and I look goofy. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, wouldn't, it wouldn't work as well. Uh, the way he handles this cat, though, I, did you notice in one of these scenes, the cat is trying its hardest to escape out of his arms. And he's like holding on to it for dear life. This cat is making such an expression. I thought it was a fake cat at one Really? Point. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't, I, and then after I watch that scene again, I'm like, I don't think that's, I think that's a real cat. Yeah, I think so. I think he's handling her. Well, I was reading, I read trivia that that, that cat peed and pooped on Donald Pleasance multiple times <laughs> during the movie. Yeah, uh, he was freaking out. Yeah, it, yeah, they, they definitely, he went the extra mile because he was acting so straight that whole time. And this cat is like, <laughs> like, I know he was probably getting scratched up or something. <laughs> Well, you notice at the end of the movie, he, he he totally just does not care a thing about that cat and runs for his life. Yeah, exactly. I do. I, I love that. Um, I also love the base here. This base looks great in the volcano um, where the top opens up and that's how helicopters and rockets shoot out of it. And uh, this this set I was reading cost as much as Dr. No cost to make, yeah. which is it was a insane. it was a four million dollar set that Ken Adams made. And that was that was his biggest undertaking yet. And yeah. it is one of the most impressive sets to a movie. 
It is. I, I love it. Yeah. Anything with like a roller coaster type thing ride, because it's not a ride, it's transportation, but it's just neat with the, the vehicle they all ride in and it rides on the rail like a monorail down. And that's how everybody just moves around there. I thought that was just neat. And that somebody built that. I couldn't imagine getting $4 million to be like, yeah, just make an evil base and then just getting the run with it. Um, it's crazy. They, they have like this huge and for intricate track i mean the the set is huge it's humongous i mean like yeah. the ceiling for this set it's about the size of a volcano i mean it's just yeah so i mean they they spent four million dollars to basically just make it inside of a volcano yeah. and i guess that's what's cool is there are blue screen moments but i think like the helicopter scene this volcano could have easily done blue screen but they did the real thing and you can tell you really can tell when it's the real thing and it looks cool uh, well, since you mentioned it, that's one of my biggest gripes of the movie is the green screen in this movie looks bad. Oh, yeah. Any any of the car scenes, uh-uh. it is rough. Or, oh, God. The this boat is, scene at the end? Yeah, the boat scene. I watched that and I was like, wow, this is, they let this, even in the, 19, the 1960s, they let this get released. It was bad. Or... um. <laughs> Not as bad as uh, not as bad as Deliverance was, but still, yeah, it was. But it it's still just like, why, like why would could they not just, just like film this and like throw a raft into some water or whatever and no. just shoot it or like real quick? No, you could say they not. Could they not? Could they not borrow Toho's big pool or whatever? Right, they're probably right nearby. Um, speaking of Deliverance, though, I will argue that the volcano because. I'll skip to the end. The volcano does oh. go off in the end. That volcano it might be one of the worst things I've seen. I, now show. that you say that, I know exactly. Yeah, but like it's just, it's a volcano. It's a volcano and they want to show it erupting. So they just superimpose like lava running off of this completely dormant volcano. Yeah, it, it looks like two images just plastered against each other. It, I don't know why they even tried to put this in the movie. Um, yeah, doesn't look good. <laughs> no, um, but everything else is cool. The final showdown where James Bond gets out of it because he gets to have his cigarette, which is one of the gadgets in the movies. It's a rocket bullet inside a cigarette that he can shoot out of the cigarette. Uh, I guess anti-cigarettes was a big talk at this time. I could tell because because um, the whole time James Bond was getting jokes at him for like, oh, those will kill you. Yeah, those cigarettes are going to kill you. <laughs> It's like yeah. the nicotine won't kill you, Mr. Bond. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know what? That's how he got out. Wow. I, so there's, since we're talking about that, like the, I, I did like the cigarette thing. That one was pretty clever, I thought. But yeah. there's, again, there's so many, like the big joke, like, you know, they always make an Austin Powers, which we've mentioned this before, is that there are so many opportunities they could have just killed James Bond and they don't take it at all. Like there's mm-hmm. one scene where they, they have him captured and they just let him stand there. And there's one scene where Blofeld is like running with one of his henchmen and James Bond is still captured mm-hmm. and he has a gun and Blofeld's like, all right, this is the end of the line for you. And then Blofeld shoots one of his henchmen and then he still brings yeah. James Bond along. And then, and then when he gets that? in his, and then when he gets in his tram, he's like, okay, now I'm going to shoot you. I'm like, What? Yeah, he could have just been like, bam, bam. If he really wanted to shoot the henchmen, he could have just shot both of them there. But no, James Bond, you think that he's saving him for like a big kill. But no, it seemed like he was just going to shoot him again. So it wasn't even that big of a deal. 
it, he just walked to the next room and he's like, okay, now I'm going to shoot you when I'm in a, when I'm in a seated position in a moving vehicle. <laughs> yeah. And he ends up just, you know, driving away from him. You know, that plot line just kind of goes away. It's so silly. Um, but you know, I, yeah, I, I really do think I've said this earlier, but I really do think this one is a major inspiration for Austin Powers. Oh, it, it's, complete inspiration i mean i don't yeah. know how you couldn't see it it's, yeah um but it's uh it's definitely uh mm-hmm. it sets a standard for spy movies i mean I, I there's a lot of other like james bond knockoffs that would come after this and i mm-hmm. think a lot of them borrow from this one and like goldfinger maybe but yeah um the uh the sets it just like everything in here just looks top notch no i agree i think just overall this movie is a really good james bond movie i think like this would be a good james bond to introduce to somebody who hasn't seen james bond before and i say that because i feel like this has a lot of the tropes a lot of the fun silly stuff and it's simple and i think it's easy to give to them i don't think it's the best but maybe a a really accessible james bond and i think i really appreciate that yeah i mean if you're like if you have like a someone that's younger or whatever, I mean, there's still some sex in there, but it's yeah. like, but you know, if they're like 12 or 13 or whatever, they probably have seen worse at that point. So <laughs> you could, but uh, you could watch, you could have them watch that. And like I said, that was, that was a movie. Like I, this was like the, my, one of my favorite James Bond at one point. So mm-hmm. um, it holds up still. I mean, there's still some dated stuff in there, but for the overall it's a it's a great experience yep it's it's really fun i think this one's a really good time i i recommend checking it out um, um i guess oh go ahead i had some house cleaning for this one me the, too the, I, so go ahead i'll let you uh, we'll, well, we'll each take a turn well i just had one thing to say and that's just kind of the aftermath of this movie so this movie did cost 9.5 million to make and it made 111 million at the box office which was actually a decline for James Bond, the first kind of financial decline for them. Still a ton of money. So, of course, they're going to still try to make more. Um, but they credit that to Casino Royale coming out a couple months before that, kind of killing a little <laughs> bit damn, of it. Um, that damn movie. Yeah, that awful movie made this movie lose money. And I think, and it was the second movie of the year, um, uh, second to The Dirty Dozen. Um, who knows if it would have been number one without Casino Royale, but I don't know. I guess that's an interesting way to look at it. Still a huge moneymaker, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so the couple of things I wanted to mention. So there's a scene where we didn't mention where James Bond fights a guy that's holding a samurai sword. Mm-hmm. Um, that guy, he was actually... Uh, Peter Mayavia, and that is Dwayne Johnson, The Rock's grandfather. That's kind of awesome, actually. Yeah, uh, that's really cool. So another pro wrestler that's in this movie, with, along with Odd Job. Mm. Oh, okay, yeah, true. And I'm, we got more to come, I'm sure. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, the other thing too. So another thing that made Sean Connery really, really mad mm-hmm. is that. Um, Behind his back, they made a James Bond knockoff movie starring his younger brother Neil Connery. Because I, I sent you the link for this yeah. before we before we recorded, just because it was I like I I couldn't wait to 
yeah because I, I normally i try to save all the stuff for the podcast but i was just like i cannot wait to tell you this so it has neil connery is the star as like as a as a knockoff character mm-hmm. and uh it also stars bernard lee <laughs> m uh lois maxwell money penny also has a uh, uh, domino from from russia with love it also has uh, yeah uh oh god uh the uh, uh the bad guy from from thunderball is the bad guy in this one too yep so yeah. it's just like all these other one and it's called operation kid brother but there's a lots of other names it's called there's another one where it's called okay connery and <laughs> what yeah. <laughs> oh my god i hate i it's awful because i'm that's sean connery's little brother and he did he do this behind his big brother's back like yeah i um, think so don't tell sean that's that's kind of messed up um, like he did like he was like mad about it and i i i can completely understand sean connery's point because that totally cheapens the brand and it's like yeah. I'd be like, why would you guys agree to do something like that? So. Yeah, all those people were like, yeah, we'll sign up for it. When it's just like a cheap knockoff and not like even, I don't know, I, it was money. Uh, uh, even though that production for that, watching the trailer doesn't look like it was like worth that much. And I'm sure it didn't even make that much money. No, but uh, it, they did recover that one on Mystery Science Theater. Oh, nice. Well, I was thinking it would probably be a really good one to bring up on our show as well. Well, I mean, that one's technically next in the timeline. Mm-hmm. Who knows? <laughs> you know, I got to work really hard till we can switch other bonds. I will do a bunch of knockoffs first. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot we could talk about, mm-hmm. but yeah, I just wanted to mention that. And it's just, you watch the trailer to it and it's just, they're, they're trying to make a James Bond movie. I mean, they, they really were trying to just be like, yeah, it's same guy. Same guy. That mm-hmm. means it's going to be just as good. And we have all these other Bond actors in here. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I think that's so messed up. But what are we going to be covering next time? Well, Nathan, we're going to go back to the Toe Hell Well. And I think it's time. <laughs> Is it time? We're, yeah. We're going to finally talk about it. Um, we're going to be talking about destroying all your expectations because we have one <laughs> more movie to talk about and, okay and it is of going course. i mean i know you're just you're just salivating oh, you're I'm, waiting i'm itching i'm shaking ready for destroying all monsters <laughs> well we got one more monster who makes an appearance and we're actually gonna be talking about what monster we've already talked about already and we're gonna be oh, talking okay. about king kong escapes King Kong Escapes. Okay. Uh, yep. Which is not streaming anywhere, unfortunately, but you can watch it over at the Internet Archive. Cool. I can't wait to watch this so I can, it's like Sasquatch footage and destroy all humans. Oh, that blur back there. That's him. That's the monster. <laughs> no, I, no, surprisingly, this one actually has more of a prominent role than the other two that we've <laughs> talked about. Okay, cool. Well, I'm excited. If you want to send us an email, you can email us over at driveindoublefeaturepodcast at gmail.com. And you can also tweet at us or check us out on Twitter at DIPFPod. But until next time. Until next time.